This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. Now, i got to say, Blair, I love the next segment that we're going to be doing. It's one of my favorite things. And what it is, folks, is we're going to talk about all the highlights from the 10th annual, which is pretty cool in itself that there's been 10 years in a row that Sands and Associates has been accumulating this data. And this, what we're going to talk about is the 2022 BC Consumer Debt Study. And this is part one of two. Um, and the reason why, Blair, I think this is such a cool uh, segment and such a cool thing that you guys do is because data shows us trends. And it's almost like we're being given a peek into what is in store? What's in store for us in the future when it comes to uh, debt or consumer issues, all of that kind of thing? Because uh, there's there's no reason why the sort of the the uh, well the processes or the, the the trends that have been set up in the past year aren't going to continue into 2023. Would you would you agree with that? Oh, I, I think it, it's completely spot on, Elaine. You know, we've been doing the study for 10 years and we've definitely seen, you know, some trends that have really started to intensify over time. And we'll talk about that with respect to payday loans and with respect to the average consumer, you know, continuing to get older. Um, but there's also, it's just fascinating to get the window into the individual situations, what drives people to to get into debt or to seek debt help and how do they feel, how do they resolve their issues and move forward. So, the data in aggregate is always interesting, but you know, even down to some of the personal reflections, the personal advice that people give, um, you know, I encourage anybody listening just to go to the Sands-Trustee website uh, and find the debt study. It's you know, it's about twenty pages that we produce every year, which really gives you a window into people in BC that are struggling with debt um, and what they can choose to do about it to move forward. Okay, so let's start at the very beginning uh, by why don't you tell us about the BC Consumer Debt Study Series, who, the, who was surveyed for this latest study that we're going to talk about? Mm-hmm. Well, the focus of the survey is all on individuals. So it's not based on, you know, corporate bankruptcies or what's going on in the business world. It's what's happening with individuals in BC and their personal debt issues and what's the impact on these individuals. So we get insights and information from people that have recently used a legal debt relief process, which means they've either filed for personal bankruptcy or they're doing a formal type of debt consolidation called a consumer proposal. Uh, the population that responds to our survey every year, it just amazes me the number of people that are really interested in sharing their story and their insights to help others. So it's over 1,400 people responded to our latest survey. And that's about 14% of all the people in BC in the last 12 months who chose to restructure their debt uh, using either a bankruptcy or consumer proposal. So a lot of surveys, you know, they consider them representative if they have 1% or half a percent or something like that of the total population. We've got 10% in this survey. So we think it's very representative. There's some really good insights that you you can extrapolate to say, well, if the survey says this, there's a lot of people in that situation that are, are feeling the same. Um, in our consumer debt study every year, we look at the general demographics, who's getting into debt, uh, what are their debt levels, what are the causes of problem debt, and we have different areas of focus each year. And this past year, we were uh, 
drilling down a little bit on the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and we highlight, you know, the facts and the struggles that people are, are facing in our communities. The goal of the survey really um, is to boost awareness of what you can do if you find yourself in a debt problem, because a lot of people feel like they're the only person on earth that's struggling like this, and they just don't know what to do to get out of it. So if we can destigmatize a little bit of the, the situation of finding yourself in debt and give some guidance on what people can actually do to move forward, well, that's success for us and why we continue to do this survey even after 10 years now. So we know that uh, using credit or credit cards and I mean, we all care. We always all carry a little bit of debt, um, but it's a kind of a different situation when you're a licensed insolvency trustee. You guys look at it with a with a different set of eyes. And so let's talk a little bit more about the study and what's come out of it as a result. Yeah, in terms of the, the general trends, so as you mentioned, you know, just about everybody has a credit card, and if you're carrying a balance on your credit card, you're definitely not alone. Um, what we found in the 2022 BC Consumer Debt Study is the largest proportion of participants, so over a third of individuals, 34%, um, they said they had about twenty-five dollars to $49,999 of debt, so between twenty-five dollars and $50,000 of debt, excluding a vehicle or a mortgage loan. At the time, they started a formal debt relief process. So a vast majority of people, they don't owe hundreds of thousands of dollars, but they also don't owe just a few thousand dollars. It's in that range of about the twenty-five dollars to $50,000. Now, what was really not surprising, but definitely a significant finding is that nearly three in five people, 59% of people said credit card debt was the main type of debt that they had. And that was almost six times higher than the next most common type of debt. So if, you know, from a, a less involved point of view, you think, well, people are getting into trouble with credit cards. You're pretty right. You know, in, in six out of 10 cases, um, that is the main reason why people are having trouble with the debt is that the credit card debt had escalated. Uh, but for the first time in the study, we saw payday or installment loans. And these are the very high interest, high cost, uh, usually almost your last resort type of financing um, that rocketed into the number two position. So after credit cards, um, it is payday or installment loans that about 11% of people said were their issues. Uh, and then after then, it was tax debt and line of credit debt. And these were cited by about 9% of respondents. So definitely credit cards are the most common reason why people are getting into financial difficulty in terms of the type of debt. Uh, but that growth in payday loans is just so significant. You know, even in 2019, so a very recent study, uh, payday or installment loans were the main cause of debt for just 5% of people. And now it's at 11%. So it's more than doubled in just a few short years here. Um, and anyone that listens to the show for any extended period of time, you'll hear us talk about payday loans and how difficult it can be um, if you're stuck in a cycle of borrow, repay, borrow again, because the costs are just so high. So seeing that growth is, you know, very concerning. And just one other trend um, is about how the consumer is getting older. So what we saw is the proportion of people who are age 55 plus who are seeking help from their debt, um, that has increased 68% since we started doing this study back in 2012. So it's a lot more people reaching the end of their working life who are finding they still need help to resolve their debt. They haven't been able to put things in order uh, when their income declines as they go into retirement. I just want to mention at this point, if you already know that you fall into one of those categories and that you know you need some support, some assistance, some direction on what to do next, I want to give you the website for Sands & Associates at sands-trustee.com and their number. It's toll-free at 1-800-661-3030. So Blair, what are the, some of the findings that you've come up with that around what's causing people to accumulate uh, that problem debt now? 
Yeah, I think that's so interesting to, to delve into because there's a lot of assumptions made as to what can cause a debt problem. And, you know, sometimes when we put a tweet out about, you know, a consumer, um, you know, a recent consumer proposal that we filed, there are a lot of people that can comment really quickly and say, oh, this person must be irresponsible. They just need to pay their debts. Um, but when you actually delve into what, what's underlying the problem here, for the vast majority of people, and four out of the five most common causes of people getting into debt problems are generally things that are outside of their individual control. For a lot of the people, there's really nothing they could have done different to avoid being in a tough situation. So what we found is one in five people said the direct main cause of their debt was using credit for essential cost of living that their income could not cover. Um, so obviously in BC, I'll use the term, we're in a housing affordability crisis with the way rent has escalated, mortgage costs, everything. A lot of people have had to result to credit just to, you know, buy groceries each month and to, and to keep the lights on. Um, so that that's huge. And that's something that's outside of your control. You know, you didn't cause inflation to go crazy or rental rates to go through the roof, but you're dealing with the aftermath of that. Uh, one in four people, about 28%, um, they blame themselves. They said their debt was caused by overextended credit due to general financial mismanagement. And it's not the case that everyone I see has some mismanagement, but in some cases you can say, yep, this person perhaps could have done things a little bit different. My my experience is when we actually sit down with that person and interview them and understand, well, you know, why do you feel like you mismanaged? Well, it's because someone lost a job or somebody got sick um, or, you know, some other external shock and they felt they didn't manage it as well as possible. But the actual underlying cost cause there, when as people self-identify, things like illness, injury, or health-related problems, 10% of people said that was their main cause of their debt. Uh, marital or relationship breakdown, that was about 8%. And then job-related issues was about 6% of people. And that's also surprising as well, because a lot of people think, you know, you're filing a bankruptcy or a proposal because you've lost your job. But for 94% of people, that wasn't the main reason that caused them to go into debt. There could be some contributing factors, but it's usually it's things outside of their control. Again, costs of living, um, illness, relationship breakdown, um, just all of those factors. Uh, what's interesting too, is we focused a little bit on the COVID-19 pandemic, but it really wasn't a significant driver of people seeking debt help in 2022. It was only 6% of people said that COVID-19 was the main cause of their debt. But what we think is that it's just the impact is starting to be felt now. We have just a ton of clients reaching out who might be being asked to repay CERB or government benefits during the pandemic. So we think the impact of the pandemic financially is just starting to be felt now and will be felt for years to come. And I think job, you know, not a job related stuff too. Like, let's say you're working for a viable company, um, and all of a sudden everything gets tightened down or the costs start to increase at an exorbitant level, something that the company has no control over because of supply chain issues, because of the pandemic that we all lived through for two years, right? Like, so mm -hmm. the, the effects of, of the pandemic, like you say, are going to be, a, we're going to feel the effects for quite a long time. And they're going to be very subtle in some cases. Like, you know, even though you didn't lose your job because you, uh, the company that you were working for shut down because it had to, um, it could be for like 16 other different reasons why you lost your job or your hours were cut back or the cost was too great to keep you or whatever. Yeah, there's just been so many external shocks, like more than I've ever seen. I've been a trustee for 15 years now, you know, from inflation to interest rates to a global pandemic, you know, the last three, four years have just been one thing after another, making it more difficult for the consumer to make any financial headway.
Okay, and I, I know that we only have a minute left on this, but we're going to talk about this study some more. But can we finish it off by talking about any findings from the debt study when it came to people attempting to manage their debt, their problem debt? Like, what were some of the findings there that were interesting and different to you? Mm -hmm. You know, the the most um, concerning one, and this is also the most consistent finding over time, over the last 10 years, is most people do not reach out for help right away when they know they have a mm -hmm. problem. In fact, only 5% of people reach out for help, which means 95% of people suffer for too long. They flail about. They're not sure what to do. When we ask people, well, why didn't you reach out for help so soon? Um, you know, a bunch of people come back with various reasons, but um, they said, you know, they tried to extend their credit limits first, or they tried to borrow from family or friends, or they applied for a consolidation loan, even 23% of people, when they knew they needed help, um, their strategy was to get a payday or an installment loan. Um, so there's a lot of things people do that can extend or enlarge the problem. With only 5% of people reaching out right away. I'm hoping that if anyone's listening today and they think they might have a debt problem, they'll make that call to get the help sooner uh, rather than just suffer in silence as so many of our survivors survey respondents do, it seems to be about a two-year cycle from when someone knows they need the help to when they're finally getting the help that they need from Sands and Associates. And this is how you can uh, get, get some help, 1-800-661-3030 for that first sit down. Uh, they've got 25 offices all over the province. Uh, you're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates, helping you get out of debt. We're going to talk about the um, 10th annual BC Consumer Debt Study for the past year that Sands & Associates has put together by talking to over 1,400 people, which is super interesting. Get a really great insight insight into all kinds of things around the kind of debt that people are holding on to, why, how did they get there, all of the pieces around it. This part is, this segment is all about the, the fact that the study revealed the serious impacts that problem debt can have on mental health as well as other things. And I guess this really shouldn't be too much of a surprise that it's going to cause a lot of stress and et cetera, but it, it's significant. Blair, it sounds like it was very significant this time. Yeah, you know, every year that we do the study, we always just, you know, ha have a moment of, I'll call it sobriety when we start to get the results back and just to see, oh my gosh, like if we ever um, underestimated the amount of an impact it has on on, on someone being in debt, um, you know, just read one of these survey reports or study reports and you'll know exactly how all-consuming it can be. You know, I often say that debt is not a problem. You just think about 5, 10, 15 minutes a day. If you've ever faced a debt problem, you'd probably be nodding along right now when I say you're constantly worried about it. You're constantly constantly thinking, well, I'm not living up to what I, I thought I could do. You know, usually if you have debt, it's because things were good and you were able to borrow money, you had a good credit rating. Now things aren't so good and you've got this obligation that you're not able to meet. So the mental, physical, spiritual impacts of that can just be huge. And, you know, over the last 10 years, we've, we've asked a number of very pointed questions each year to try to delve into that impact. And consistently, you know, we get some really insightful uh, responses back. Um, so, you know, debt distress can impact people in a number of different ways. But what we found in the past year's study was nearly four in five people, so nearly 80% of people said their mental health suffered as a result of being in debt. And, you know, I, I would say as in general as a society, our mental health has been under attack for a few years, a global pandemic, a bunch of external events. So throwing debt on top of that, that can just be an unmanageable burden for somebody already feeling strained. 63% um, of people said their self-esteem suffered. 
47% of people said that their debt affected their physical health. And one of the great parts of my job is just seeing that transformation. When people take action on their debt, you can just see that they're standing taller, they're walking taller, uh, and just generally feeling better. Even physically, debt can impact you. Um, over four in five people that we spoke to, over 82% said they experienced constant worry about their debt. 76% um, of people said they had anxiety from the strength, from the stress of debt. Uh, two thirds of people felt helplessness or hopelessness. And even, and this is, you know, a, a tough one that we ask every year and the number vary, varies a little bit, but not, not significantly. So roughly one in seven people said that the death stress resulted in them experiencing thoughts or contemplation of suicide. So really wanting to end their life because of these financial obligations, just seeing no other way out. Um, and then, you know, a bunch of your traditional Additional type of impacts you would expect, you know, sleeping poorly, uh, feeling shameful, even, you know, outbursts of anger. And, you know, even 30% of people said their relationships suffered as a result of being in debt. Um, they were alienating themselves from family or friends or had arguments with their significant others about money. And of a similar proportion, about 30% said they put their life on hold. You know, they're not taking that next milestone. They're not able to start a family or look at purchasing a house because debt is holding them back. So it really can be an all consuming problem that people are facing. And I like that, well, I mean, I, I like that it's something that you and Sa and it seems that Sands and Associates really cares about just how you've set yourselves up and how you counsel people and how you move them through the process, regardless of what their next steps might be to deal with the, um, to deal with their debt, uh, but that you, you care about this thing, that you care about this mental health and, and it's part of that process. And I just also want to add with that, um, if this, if you know already that this is a step that you want to take to either just sit down with somebody and figure out your situation and see what can be done, or if you already know that you need to do something and you want the process and, and the support to do that, the number, the phone number for Sands and Associates, and they have offices all over British Columbia. It's 1-800-661-3030. And uh, the website, if you'd like to check that out, you can also uh, register or make an appointment through the website is sands-trustee.com. So you talked about in before we took the little break about reminding people of the phone number that the number one reported warning sign of the of a debt problem was the stress, uh, mm -hmm. which was huge. Seven out of 10 people. And of course, we know that stress can show up in all kinds of different ways and it can affect so many different things in our lives, not just the typical things that you would think of, but it can really be um, life altering in a sense of, uh, of how you'd like things to go to how they actually end up going. So can we talk some more about that? Yeah, certainly, Elaine. You know, the way that I, I would really summarize it, and I think this is proven true, is, you know, if you think you have a debt problem, you're generally right. So if you're feeling like you're worried about your money, you're worried about your finances every month, feeling that stress, that's one of the number one reasons why our survey respondents said, okay, I know I've got a problem because I'm not sleeping at night, because I'm feeling this overwhelming stress. So yes, there are, you know, the traditional, we'll call them more transactional signs of a debt problem. And we'll go for those here in a second. But in general, it's just that feeling, that anxiety, that feeling stressed out, the hopelessness. That's the number one reason why people could self-diagnose and say, yeah, I probably do need some 
some help with my debt. So other traditional warning signs that people identified, um, only making minimum payments, about six in 10 people said, well, that indicated to them it was a problem because they probably read their, st their statements in detail and saw, well, even a few thousand dollars can be decades to pay back at minimum payments. So that's just a huge warning sign. If you're only making the minimum payments on your credit cards or loans each month, you're really not getting ahead. You're just treading water at best. Um, a similar proportion of people said that seeing their debt balances remain the same every month despite making payments. So again, another way of looking at, well, I'm paying $200, but $190 of that is going to interest and fees and really not helping move me forward. Um, so just get feeling that sense of hopelessness that I'm doing the best that I can, but these debt balances just aren't going down. Uh, for about a third of people, their warning sign was that they, their debt balances just kept going up. They just kept accumulating more debt on their credit accounts. There was just nothing they could do to make headway. Uh, about one in five people said their big warning sign was that the bank turned them down for a consolidation loan. So a lot of people, one of their first things that they'll do if they find their debts are getting out of control is to try to consolidate and bring their interest rate down. But many times a bank is not willing to approve a loan like that without a cosigner or some other pretty onerous terms. So for about 20% of people, that was their warning sign. About 30% of people had what I would call the more, um, you know, intuitive, the common sense type of warning signs where everyone would say, you know, yes, this is indicating a debt problem, things like getting collection calls, letters, bouncing or missing payments, but it was only about 5% of people were actually having their wages seized or their bank accounts seized. So a lot of folks think, you know, no one reaches out to a trustee until, you know, you've been sued and, you know, the, the wolf is at the door, all of those types of things. But that's only about 5% of people let it get so severe that legal action has been taken against them. The vast majority of people, it's more of a self-diagnosis that, hey, I'm just not making headway. I'm paying a lot. The balances aren't going down. Um, you know, and that even proves out in the way that it's counterintuitive, but a vast majority of people, sometimes upwards of 70% of people that file bankruptcy or make a consumer proposal actually don't have bad credit. They have, you know, from good to excellent, you know, even great credit in some cases, because it's not necessary that you go delinquent on all of your payments. It's not necessary that you wait until you've been sued. For the majority of people, they might have a great credit rating because they're just moving money around each month, getting all the minimums paid, but that's not an indication they don't need financial help. Sometimes the people with great credit ratings are actually other people that need help the most with their debt. Do you think that most consumers in BC go and get or, or seek debt help right away once they realize they have a problem? What kind of, what kind of stats have you got around that? How often or how long do, do people wait before they take action? You know, that's the thing, Elaine, that the longer we do this study, I hope this metric is going to change over time, but it's been consistently, most people do not reach out for help. Again, only 5% of people reach out for help when they know they have the problem. And when we ask people, why didn't you reach out for help? The most common responses were they wanted to manage the debt on their own. So about 65% of people said, you know, I got myself into this. I want to do the best that I can to get out of it. 55% uh, of people said they felt ashamed, felt ashamed I couldn't handle the debts I had incurred. Uh, being embarrassed to ask for help was reported by 51% of people and being worried about being judged. Um, so a lot of people think, you know, anything they do to restructure their debt is going to be a public proceeding. It's going to be in the newspaper. Their employee, um, employers, um, their colleagues, their neighbors will be aware of it. All of that is false. You can restructure your debt and, you know, even your partner doesn't necessarily need to be aware of it as much as we would counsel against that and say openness is the right way to go. But you can deal with your debt on a very private basis. Um, and and then about one in four people said they just didn't know where to get help. 
Um, they might have had misinformation or just had no idea that this role of a trustee actually exists. Uh, but what's quite concerning too is sometimes people take actions that unwittingly to them aggravates their situation and can make things worse. Um, so, you know, some people think there's just no solution to their situation. That's 31% of people. 28% um, of people thought their situation would improve on its own. Uh, and then 12% of people said they didn't think their situation was bad enough to ask for help. And during that time when people are holding off from getting help, sometimes they're incurring more debt or they're getting co-signers or they're borrowing from family and friends. All of these things are very risky and usually don't help solve the problem, but just make it significantly worse. Okay. So let's, in the last, in the last uh, a few minutes that we've got, Blair, let's talk about what you need to pay attention to? Like, what are the warning signs that either people uh, get and they do something about, but it sounds like a lots of people just get these warning signs and don't do anything about. So here's, here's an opportunity for us to try to help that situation, help those people. Okay, if this is going on, this is what, this is the next steps for you. So let's talk about mm -hmm. those warning signs. Yeah, I think there's a bunch of questions to ask yourself. And, you know, if you're ringing the bell on a couple of these questions, that's a good indication that you'd benefit from having a chat with a licensed insolvency trustee. So are you feeling any worry, anxiety, or stress about your financial situation? And a lot of people might say yes to that, you know, even in general, but that's a pretty good indication. Um, is your, are your debt and money matters something you think or worry about regularly or even daily? Is there not a day that comes and goes and you're not worried about how you're eventually going to get out of debt? Uh, one important one is do you rely on your credit accounts to make ends meet? So there's no way if the credit was taken away that you'd be able to live on a monthly basis with your budget. You need to go into a credit account every month just to provide for the necessities of life. Um, are you exercising some avoidance? Are you avoiding your account balances? Are you not filing your tax returns because you think you're going to owe money and the government won't know until you file, which is not a good strategy. They know either way. Uh, but sometimes avoidance is, is something that people do for periods of time. Um, are you looking to take out a consolidation loan with or without a cosigner? That might sound like you're doing something good, but it's actually a big warning sign. If you need to consolidate your debt, uh, again, sometimes the only way banks will do that is to get a cosigner or get you to pledge an asset. And that can be just quite risky. So you really want to take care as you move forward and, and do something that's going to help the problem, not make it worse. I want to throw in here too, the website that Sands and Associates has is just awesome. It is a number of pages. I couldn't tell you how many pages long it is, but it's filled with great questions, questions that you may have, that your neighbor may have uh, about what to do next, how to, what, what's the next step to take, or how do I do it, or et cetera, et cetera. And it's sands-trustee.com. And their phone number is 1-800-661-3030. And like I say, they have 25 offices around British Columbia right now. So often in these segments in the show, Dollars and Cents, we talk about what you can do with debt, how to manage it, how to, how to, the steps that you need to take in order to deal with it. Well, this segment is all about what you shouldn't do. Uh, Blair is going to explain that consumers generally avoid, uh, things when it comes to dealing with their personal debt, like it's too hard, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but this is where you can get, uh, help solving problem debt for good. So let's talk about that, Blair. Um, the warning signs that your debt may be a cause for concern and what are some of the actions that people might take that make things worse? 
Well, for no, no two people have the exact same situation. So the warning signs might seem a little bit different to each, but there are definitely some consistent hallmarks over time that we've said, you know, people have relayed to us. This is when I knew my debts were becoming a problem. You know, the most simple one is just that feeling, that feeling of anxiety, of hopelessness, that if you're feeling just so worried about your debts all the time, uh, you know, that's a big warning sign that perhaps you do need to get some debt help because it shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't have constant anxiety about your finances every minute of every day. Uh, some of the more traditional warning signs, things like you've been considering or you've been turned down for a bank funded consolidation loan. So oftentimes one of the first things people do when they know they've got too much debt is they try to consolidate. So seeking that out and then eventually being rejected, as a lot of people find out, unfortunately, um, that's a significant warning sign. Um, just not having a plan. So being in a situation where you know there's no way in the next five years doing what I'm doing, I'm going to be able to get out of debt. Um, I'm just going to keep you know my head down, make the minimum payments and just continue to do that, um, that's a warning sign that you're probably going to be paying a ton of interest. You're probably going to make the banks, you know, quite a bit of profits on you and your credit rating might look fine, but you're not going to move forward financially, be able to build a net worth and save money uh, if you're going to be paying off your standard debts for more than five years at pretty extravagant interest. Uh, one warning sign too, that's a bit counterintuitive, is don't assume that just because you have great credit that you don't need debt help because the vast majority of people that file a bankruptcy or a proposal actually have pretty good credit. They're not out there missing payments or being sued. They've just come to the pretty stark realization that you know what they're doing right now is just not moving them forward. They're just treading water at best. So what should you not do if you find yourself in this situation where you think you got a debt problem? What are the things to avoid? Well, the number one one thing to avoid is do not ignore the debt. It's one of the worst things you can do. Um, you can't just wait it out for most debts that are out there. Um, you know, there's not a statute of limitation, anything to do with the government debt. And even for standard debts where there might be some period of time when the debt expires, you know, that can be years into the future. That could be a whole lot, um, you know, of, of, of um, anxiety, of heartache, uh, of threats, of collection calls. And sometimes the problem is just continually getting worse because there's more interest, more penalties are being added against your debt and things just continue to escalate. So one of the worst things you could do is just avoid the problem altogether and not deal with it. We definitely recommend that you face things head on. And if you continue to listen and definitely to other segments, you'll find there's a lot of things an individual can do if they find themselves in debt. So if you feel helpless, know that you're not helpless. There's a lot that you can do. Uh, one of the other big things that you want to avoid doing is taking on more debt. Um, you know, sometimes people figure, I guess, you know, I borrowed to get myself into this situation. I'm going to borrow to get out of it. So whether it's looking at a consolidation loan um, or a payday loan or some really high interest type of financing, oftentimes someone gets turned down for a bank funded consolidation loan where the interest rate might be 10 or 12% or so. And the only people that will approve them is a high interest installment or payday loan lender where the interest is 40 or 50%. The person has not improved their situation by turning their debt into more expensive high interest debt. Uh, and one of the last things to avoid is to count on unrealistic results. So you really have to have, you know, a very unemotional view of what am I paying on these debts per month? What's the interest charge? How much am I actually paying the debts down with the minimum payments that I'm making? And you've got to be realistic about your budget. If you think you're going to be able to spend a huge amount of your budget on your debt repayments, you might be able to do that for a month or two, but I guarantee you life is going to intervene at some point. 
And even if you have a budget that balances, but it's tons of money going to debt payment and you've got no ability to save money, what that means is when inevitably there's some external shock and you need an emergency fund to draw on, if you haven't been able to save any money, you'll be in a pretty precarious situation and maybe have to rely on credit again. So those are definitely a bunch of things to, to avoid. Quite. So before we talk about the some more mistakes that people sometimes make, and you know you already want to take some action to deal with your debt situation, this is the phone number. They've got 25 offices throughout the province in British Columbia, 1-800-661-3030. And it's just even just to sit down and talk with somebody about your situation and see if what the next step might be. And the website, which is just terrific, sans-trustee.com. It's just filled with pages of great questions and great answers, easy to understand in both cases, so that if you just need a bit more information before making that next step, Fair enough. Check out the website, sans-trustee.com. So Blair, let's talk about the common mistakes that people do make trying to deal with their debt that you really want to caution them against taking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, two really big ones to go into detail here. The number one here, and I've been crusading about this since about 2009 when the law changed, but still I see it every once in a while, is the idea of cashing in RRSPs to pay debt. That is one of the worst things you can ever do to pay your debts down, and it's something that's not required. Uh, previous to 2009, you might have lost RRSPs if you had to file a bankruptcy, so people said, I'm going to lose them regardless, let me just cash them in now and try to avoid having to, to file a bankruptcy. But since 2009, RRSPs have been fully protected. So you do not need to compromise your retirement savings. No matter how dire your debt situation is, that money is free and clear and protected. The issues when you cash in RRSPs is first off, you're compromising your future well-being. You're taking money that you know you'll need in the future when you're retired and you're spending it now and usually for past consumption. So you've really taken something away from your future self uh, to deal with a current issue that arose from, from past behavior. Um, the second thing is that RSP withdrawals are fully taxable. And usually when you draw that money out from the bank, they withhold a certain proportion of it, but it might be far less than what the actual tax obligation is. So I've had a number of people over the years who've said, yeah, I cashed in the RSPs. I just assumed the bank held back enough tax. You know, I paid off my debts pretty significantly, but then it was like, you know, a sack of bricks when suddenly I got my tax return next year and saw that I owed them thousands of dollars because the bank didn't hold back enough tax withdrawals on the RRSPs. So my advice would be to treat an RRSP like a company pension plan. You would never try to cash in your company pension plan to pay your personal debts and you wouldn't be allowed to anyway. Um, the government has protected RRSPs, but the individual still has the option. So you want to make sure you're not even considering that option. Do not cash in RRSPs to pay debts. One of the most important things I hope someone would take away from this segment. Um, the second big piece of advice for people um, is to really be careful who you take advice from. So what often it's a well-intended friend or family member, but there's so many things that are out there in terms of different precedents, legislation, um, different sets of rules, and it can be really difficult to see how all of it fits together. And there's only a single professional whose job it is to put it all together for you and help you understand what's in your best interest. And that's a licensed insolvency trustee. So even someone like a debt consultant or a credit counselor, whether a for-profit or not-for-profit, they don't have the qualifications, the scope of knowledge, the authority 
authority and the legal powers of a licensed insolvency trustee. And I spend a lot of time talking with accountants, lawyers, and financial planners. Um, they'll send clients over, you know, quite often to us because they know this is not their area of expertise. But every once in a while, I'll have a call from someone who said, oh, yeah, my financial advisor told me, you know, consumer proposal won't work for me. I need to go into bankruptcy. And in the space of a few minutes, I can say, well, I can see why they might have thought that. But no, you have definitely other options to consider. So you want to make sure you're getting the right advice from the right source. You know, even family or friends who want the best for you, they just might not have all of the information. So reaching out to a trustee is the best thing you can do to make sure you're, you're taking the right steps. And I have a feeling too, you know, just sitting down with somebody from Sands and Associates for just a few minutes, let alone a, a real good appointment, you'd figure that out pretty quickly. Oh, oh, you actually do know what you're talking about and that person didn't. Or, oh, I was thinking about doing this, but now that sounds like a really bad idea. Let's talk more about what you think I should do. And that's the kind of thing that I feel uh, just meeting the various uh, people over the years that work at Sands and Associates. It's just really thoughtful, articulate, smart people who are going to get you on that right path. So if you want to get that uh, that free confidential debt advice to work with somebody, a qualified professional on your personal debt-free plan, give Sands & Associates a call. 1-800-661-3030 or visit sands-trustee.com today. So yes, it is it, it's tax return time, or at least time that you start thinking about doing your tax return. It's coming close. The deadlines we're we've even we're, we're going to tell you about the deadlines too uh, for this year in this segment. But we're going to get the facts about tax debt first and what you should and shouldn't do if you've already got an outstanding balance with CRA. Uh, Blair is going to share some key facts that British Columbians should know about dealing with tax debt, as well as some tips on what to do and what to avoid if you find yourself with an unmanageable balance owing. So what are some of the key things that we should know about if we've got a balance already uh, due to CRA for taxes, Blair? Well, any time that you're dealing with debt that you didn't expect, um, it just adds another layer of stress. So in, in some cases, it's surprising, you know, you owe money on your taxes, you didn't expect it. Sometimes it's even more stressful. It's been years, you know, you owe money to the government, you're just not sure when they're going to take some action against you. And we're going to talk a little bit today that owing the government money, um, they've got more power than any other creditor and the ability to access that power um, is really shortcutted compared to somebody else that has to take you to court and get a court order and things. The government can do a lot to take action against you if you have a tax debt and you don't deal with it. But here's a few of the things that you should know if you think you're going to have a tax debt or currently have one, is that the not paying taxes on time costs you and it costs you daily. So if you're not among the people who are able to pay their balance in full by April 30th of this year, uh, your balance is going to get bigger. Um, so CRA's add-ons can make a balance grow and it can get pretty significant over time. You know, I've seen people with unpaid tax debt that goes on for a decade or more or what they originally owed might be as little as a third of what they actually owe now. The debt can just continue to escalate with interest charges. So CRA's interest charges are compounded daily. Um, as of now, that rate of interest is 5%, but we can bet that's going to continue to go up as interest rates escalate as well. And interest is applied to a bounce owing for personal taxes, for installment requirements, for
for GST remittances, pretty well anything you owe to CRA that hasn't been paid. And what's even more significant in some cases is a late filing penalty. So if your return is not filed on time and you have a balance owing, there's a late filing penalty that's often twice the amount of the interest charge. So usually it's a 10% flat cost just as for filing late. And if you've been an habitually late filer, meaning that CRA has not gotten your return uh, on time every year for the last few years, they can even double that penalty. So it's quite important that you get the return in on time and you do your best to pay it. And even if you know you're not going to be able to pay that debt, you need to avoid that late filing penalty, which will happen if your debt, if your taxes get submitted after April 30th. Uh, one other thing to know about tax debt, as I mentioned, there's more recourse and the tax debt's a little bit different than other debts, is tax debt does not expire. So it's definitely the case of not all debts are created equal. In some cases, if it's a small credit card bill or a cell phone bill or things like that, there is a statute of limitations in the province of BC after a period of about two years. If someone doesn't sue you on their debt, um, they lose the ability to ever sue you. Uh, the government has no limitation period. So it doesn't matter if it's been 20 years that you've owed this tax debt, there's no limitations act or anything that kicks in that says that you don't have to pay this debt because it's just been so long. So tax debt does not expire at all. Um, and what's important with CRA is that their collection methods uh, are more extreme and more quickly to access than anybody else. So employment income can be at risk if you have an unpaid balance to CRA and they're never going to start with, you know, you file your taxes yesterday and today we're taking your wages. No, they generally wait about 90 days after wait after mailing your notice of assessment or reassessment and their action or their warning about actions being taken against you consists of three attempts for a verbal legal warning by telephone. So they will try to reach you. And if you just ignore the calls, they'll try three times and they'll give up. And then one written legal warning being sent. So they don't confirm that you've received it. It's not sent by courier. It's just a standard mail that's sent to you. But whether you've received those notices or not, if CRA decides that they want to collect from you, um, they're able to access up to a hundred percent of income from just about any source. So they could go to your wages and attach up to 100%, which usually they'll be more reasonable than that, but it's possible. I have seen them secure 100% of even pension benefits, EI benefits. These are things that no court would ever allow you to be sued on. They'd say you need this money to live, but because it's the government, CRA is able to seize pension benefits and even EI benefits. Um, they could go direct to your clients if you're a self-employed individual and give them what's called a requirement to pay which means instead of paying you for the work that you've done, they have to pay direct to the government, which will get applied to your tax debt. Uh, and then finally, CRA can take action to put charges on your real estate, your vehicle, um, any assets that you have, CRA has the right to try to seize them if you have an unpaid tax debt. So these are all last resort things that CRA will only do if nothing else works, but it's helpful for people to know exactly what is out there, what CRA can potentially do. And I just want to, you know, clarify, because I was thinking, oh, well, does that mean a lien? Can CRA put a lien on my house? And the answer is... Yes, that's exactly what it means. That's and, what you it know, could look like, right? Yeah, and CRA putting a lien on your house doesn't mean they're going to try to force you into foreclosure. It just means they're going to sit there and wait. And in Canada, most mortgages are renegotiated every five years. And when you try to renegotiate your mortgage, your lender is going to require that CRA lien gets paid out, which might mean you have to sell the property at that point. Or if you decide to sell the property yourself before you see a dollar, that CRA lien gets paid out as if it was another mortgage on title.
Okay, so if you know you're in this situation or you want to avoid this kind of situation and all the situations that Blair's talked about so far, give Sands and Associates a call and set up that appointment. It's 1-800-661-3030. And they have 25 offices around the province, so there really is no good excuse. You can get in to see somebody. Uh, now, you mentioned that there's solutions to address unmanageable tax debt. Can we talk more about those in the last, oh, about three minutes or so? Yeah, for sure. So I think one thing for people to know is that it is possible to get tax debt forgiveness. So a lot of people think and, you know, they self-diagnose and think there's just no option to deal with government debt. But absolutely, there are options. To a licensed insolvency trustee, government debt is just the same as every other debt. So if someone comes in with credit cards, student loans, lines of credit, tax debt, we look at it all holistically and remedies like a consumer proposal where we consolidate all the debt together, bring the interest down to zero and reduce the debt down to what you can afford. That applies to government debt the same way it does to every other debt that you have. Um, if the situation is so significant, I've had people sometimes, they owe hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt and offering a proposal back just won't be possible given their income and you know paying back 20% of 400,000 is a lot of money. Um, but personal bankruptcy will operate to discharge government debt as well. So whether it's a proposal or a personal bankruptcy, when you get a licensed insolvency trustee involved, you get protection from CRA. So all of those things I mentioned about your wages being seized, assets being taken, all of that comes to a grinding halt if you've taken a formal step to restructure debts with a licensed insolvency trustee. Okay. And we've got about a minute and a half or so left. So um, with anyone with outstanding tax or CRA debt, what are your sort of top tips to do or don't for folks? You know, I think the biggest thing is to make sure you file your returns every year. So in some ways, CRA looks at it worse if you're someone that doesn't file their returns at all, rather than you're somebody that files the returns, knows they owe money and just does their best but can't pay. So if you have unfiled tax returns, CRA can resort to some pretty drastic actions like placing a hold on your bank account that's sometimes called freezing your bank account so that you can't touch it at all until you basically called CRA and give them a commitment that you're going to file your returns. Or sometimes they can do what's called an arbitrary assessment where they say, okay, based on the banking records they have access to, which is basically everything, um, they will file your taxes for you and generally allow you no expenses as deductions. And then you have the arduous task of disproving this tax return that they've done. And their response will be, well, you should have filed the tax return the first time around. So you want to avoid getting an arbitrary assessment, um, but you definitely do want to file the tax returns when they're due, even if the balance is owing. Okay. And I want to throw in as we close out this segment, uh, the absolute best advice you can take is to get a hold of Sands and Associates, licensed insolvency trustees, sit down and say, this is my situation. This is my predicament. What what is the best advice going forward from this moment on? And that's where you're going to get the help. I mean, licensed insolvency trustees are they're the only ones that can help you uh, deal with government debt on any level. So it really does make the best, the best sense possible. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. See you next time. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.